0: Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, Driving Innovation, how to foster a culture of innovation within your team. Make sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com pod320. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and I am really excited about today's guest. She had a 25-year career at Microsoft and advanced to the role of corporate vice president, and then she struck out on her own. She's currently running her own business and also serving on a number of boards. She is an expert in digital transformation and change leadership, and she's an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. You might have seen her excellent TED Talk on how to become an ally. She is based in lovely Seattle, Washington, so I'd like to welcome to the show the CEO of Gabriella Schuster LLC, Gabriella Schuster. Oh, thank you so much, Elizabeth. It's great to be here. I'm really glad to have you. I just shared some of the highlights of your bio, but I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Absolutely. So I've been um, in the high-tech industry for the last 30 years, and I um, recently left Microsoft, as you mentioned, um, in the role of a corporate vice president for our partnerships In my long-term career at Microsoft, I worked across many different roles, Mm. um, everything from operations to global segment marketing, global sales, P&L, responsibility for a product line, M&A work, uh, and um, and eventually into the area of partnerships and and building the partnerships and ecosystem out for Microsoft. And um, during that time, I really developed a passion for uh, enabling and empowering individuals in the organization and driving for greater diversity. I realized about five years ago, uh, there were some... Activities going on where people were unhappy with um, some of the treatment they felt like they were getting. They felt like they there were microaggressions, um, and these you know these prompted me to start to really understand and dig in. What what are these microaggressions? What are these things that are eroding people's confidence and holding them back? And so I I, I just started to do like a listening tour and round tables and. Um, spoke with a number of women as well as individuals that um, were in transition, transgender, non-binary. And as they were telling me about their experiences and the things that they labeled as microaggressions, I thought, I've experienced a lot of those things Mm. throughout my career. (laughs) And I always attributed them to me. I always attributed them to, you know, something I had done and kind of adjusted my style, adjusted my approach, figured out how to have a retort, whatever it was, right? And I, as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, this, this is, if this is like a common experience that, um, that many of us have, is it, is it also an experience that men have? And so I started asking those questions and observing more closely. And I realized there really was a very big difference. And we were not getting, um, there There was a lot of kind of bias built into the system and the way that people act and the way they behave. And then uh, cultural norms really uh, favored um, or disfavored women um, from fully participating in the conversation and in in meetings and teams and, and try to figure out what to do about that. And so that was really how I started to get into, you know, what does this really mean? How do we fix it? Um, What are going to be those points of acceleration that we can take to make a change?
0: I, I love that you tell that story and you might've heard it first. It sounds like from, um, from a diverse, but um, from a lot of different people, right? Um, people on the LGBTQ spectrum, um, people of color, women as well. And I think about how in the last few years, we've seen these movements where people are, are standing up and just saying, this isn't okay anymore. It's never been okay, but we're not going to stand for it anymore. And I do think it's an eye-opening realization for some people who've just been dealing with being treated in ways that are not acceptable and have just kind of put their heads down and kept on and then you have some of these people coming in and maybe because they um they don't have all that history maybe because they've been, you know, raised to expect better of how of how people treat them, they're able to stand up and say this isn't acceptable and it's really it's really gratifying to hear just that as somebody at a very senior level, it can be tempting, I think, to dismiss that and to just keep going, you know, doing things the same way you've always done. But that understanding that you had, that it it also applied to you and that kind of eye opening experience of like, oh, <laughs> I've been a victim of all of this as well, or I've been a, you know, I, I've been impacted by all of this as well. And I'm going to take this on not just to improve my own situation, but to improve possibilities for everybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, what I realized is that
1: I had really just become numb to it. I, uh-huh. You know, I, it, I, I realized that, um, I didn't notice because I had come up with, you know, a retort or, um, uh-huh. a way of dealing with it that I didn't notice. And, That I when I when I make when that kind of came to me, then I realized that was very bad because I was a corporate vice president. A lot of people were watching me and looking up to me. And if I didn't respond or um, take that on or, you know, if somebody was disrespectful or dismissive and I didn't um, take action, Whether it was a whether it was something they were doing to me or to anyone else in the room or on the team, then um, then I was saying that was okay. Absolutely. And 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 so I thought, well, that is just then I that's unacceptable. And um, and if if I if I as somebody who has experienced this don't recognize or wasn't recognizing these issues then I can imagine my male peers who didn't ever experience really don't recognize it. So how do I help them? How do I help them recognize that and how do I help them understand when things are happening and how to do things differently and how to be better allies?
0: Absolutely. So I think that that really pivots us into what I want to spend a lot of time talking about today, because uh, a big topic that everybody's been talking about lately is DEI, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you're a big advocate for that. But when we hear the way people talk about it, I feel like it often just gets distilled down into the idea of diversity. And mm-hmm. that's the that's the main thing people are getting out of it. And there are two other letters in that acronym <laughs> and, you know, the ideas of equity and inclusion. And I know you have a, you have a real focus on those aspects of um, of this area. And I'd, I'd love if you could kind of explain why we should be paying more attention to that equity and inclusion piece, not just the diversity angle.
1: Absolutely. It's a great question. You know, it, it doesn't do you very much good to have a group of people who have great diversity, great diverse backgrounds from, you know, whatever walks of life that might be um, in a room, in a team if you are not going to unlock the power of that diversity, if you're not going to welcome their different perspectives, and um, the approach that they take and the way they may be thinking. And so that's really what inclusion is about. And so when I think about DEI, I think, you know, while it's Alphabetically, it works, (laughs) DEI. The the most important piece of unlocking a team's value and the diversity in the team is the I. Because unless you've created an inclusive environment, unless you've created an environment where people feel like they belong, that they are valued, that their voices can be heard, um, then you don't really get the best of their thinking and the best of that diversity, and you aren't going to unlock innovation. Innovation occurs when people challenge each other and they challenge ideas and they build on them and they come up with something new. And you don't get that unless you get really strong inclusion. And so you have to practice inclusive behaviors.
0: Absolutely. When I think about that, you think of all the stories you've heard of people who felt like they were tokens, or the idea of a diversity hire. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have friends who've who've shared stories. I've been, you know, the only woman in a room full of men. Um, But I have friends who've been the only person of color in a room full of white people. And, you know, the only LGBTQ person, maybe in an entire department or organization. And then any time, that topic gets brought up in any sort of a context. Everybody just kind of looks at you and it's not a pleasant experience. And so um, it, it, it can be difficult to really contribute anything unique that you might get from your perspective, because you don't want to put a, you know, paint a bigger sign around you saying, this is all I am. And so then you end up trying to just act like everybody else and you don't, don't contribute the benefit of that diverse perspective that you might bring because you don't want to kind of be seen as different, even though your difference is what makes you so valuable in in so many situations. Absolutely, absolutely. The, The worst you can do is have a culture of
1: assimilation because the culture of assimilation then just it blends down everything and every thought that people have. And so, you know, when you, when you create a, a culture of a inclusion, you are creating a culture of empowerment. You are empowering everyone in the organization to recognize the unique value that they bring. And, um, and you're giving them a voice. You're making sure that there's a platform where they can be heard. And um, and you and they can be supported and they can feel like they can bring their authentic selves, which very often means it's their most productive, their most creative selves um, into the organization. There are many um, individuals who, um, to your point, whether that's women, people of color, um, you know, people, LGBTQ plus people, um, when they, if they feel like they are the only in a room or they don't want to stand out, it takes up a lot of brain power to consistently mm-hmm. kind of quiet yourself and try and fit in. And that takes away from the contributions that you can make. And that's what becomes so dangerous about that. Um, When you can really empower somebody and help them feel that sense of value and belonging, then um, you unlock so much more um, from the power of the collective group.
0: Absolutely. When I think of, you know, just any time you feel uncomfortable, um, whether even just you're the youngest person or the oldest person or whatever it might be, you just Mm -hmm. you kind of step back, you hide. And Mm -hmm. that that is an uncomfortable place to be. And so often, you know, going back to what you said a few minutes ago, when it comes to innovation, innovation happens when somebody is confident enough to challenge the way things have always been and to come up with ideas, which sometimes might not work. Right. And so it has to be a safe enough place that mistakes can happen. It has to be a safe enough place that they can challenge the, you know, the, the common wisdom and, you're not going to see that level of confidence from somebody if you haven't fostered that that inclusive um, feeling, that inclusive culture that gives everybody space to just be themselves. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I was actually listening to a different podcast on um, what does inclusion really mean? And it was about feeling like you belong, you are safe, you, um, your uniqueness is valued. And um, and when you feel that way, you can contribute more. So what what I'm focused on is how do we enable that? I read an article, um, a survey from Cap Gemini that they surveyed high tech companies. Ninety percent of high tech companies did not have any inclusion programs. They had a lot of diversity programs, right? They were doing a lot of recruitment. But they didn't have an inclusion program, and if you don't, if you don't have an inclusion program, if you're not focused on inclusion, then all that other work is for naught because you're not. One, the people who come in, if you come in as a diverse candidate into a um, into a majority group, a white male group, and you're the only of something, then you're you are not likely to stay very long because mm-hmm. you don't feel confident and comfortable and you don't feel like you're doing your best work. And so, you know, they're going to waste a lot of money and time trying to recruit diverse candidates and without having um, that level of inclusion in the organization they're not going to stay and they're not going to get the value of it. So what my focus is, you know, what does, what does that really mean to create that inclusion? How do you take that into action and how do you make it very, um, very actionable steps people can take? Because I'm a very action oriented person. And, uh, and I, I think there's a lot of talk in the industry at a, as a whole um, around DEI, but, There's not a lot of really practical steps, and you know what does it really mean, and how do you go
0: about doing it? Yeah, so let's let's spend a lot of um, the rest of our time today really talking about that because because I'm sure many of our listeners are starting to think about this and think of maybe people who used to be on their team who they spent a lot of time and effort recruiting, um, who didn't seem comfortable and who didn't stay, and they're thinking of the team they want to create and nurture in the future and how they want to support. The people that they have. So what are some of the steps that leaders can do to nurture inclusion on their teams and to ensure that they are being inclusive?
1: So so some of the things that what, what I've seen is the biggest accelerator to creating that inclusive environment is to help leaders and everyone in their teams understand what it means to be an ally. Mm. How do you behave as an ally um, to the individuals in your team, and the core of being an ally is—it's—it's—I've um, created an acronym for how you remember what kind of those behaviors are. So the A means that you're an advocate. So at being an advocate is about supporting. It is about nurturing people and advocating on their behalf, creating a platform that enables people to speak up and to participate. So that's being an advocate. And it also means that when topics come up that might make somebody uncomfortable as the only in a room, that you join them in that and you become an advocate and speak about it. Right. You may, you may not be able to speak from firsthand experience. But you can, like, so for instance, if, um, if a topic comes up and, and there's a woman, she's the only woman in the room. So every, all the eyes go to her, to your point, Elizabeth, right? All the uh, eyes go to her about something that has to do with women. And that ally will um, jump in and say, um, you know, I, I, I think my wife has experienced something like that. My sister, my daughter. Um, I have, you know, there's a study that shows blah, 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 whatever it is. So they step in and they advocate, um, kind of on behalf of, so that that person doesn't feel alone. Mm -hmm. Um, that's step one, another, um, behavioral action is listening. So many times, um, in meetings, in teams, people listen to respond And what they really need to do is listen to learn. So be curious, ask questions. And, um, you know, if somebody comes in with a different point of view, don't shut them down, but ask, well, what, what was the experience that led you? to Mm -hmm. feel that way and, you know, help me understand that perspective and where you're coming from or where you're going with that idea or that thought. And so they listen to learn and they're truly curious as opposed to, I have an idea in my head and I'm just listening to you long enough to know where I can jump in and respond. Right. That's That's the second thing. The third behavior is about lifting people up, building up their confidence. Um, in, in today's world, and particularly in sales, things are so competitive. People are out for themselves. There's a lot of hero mentality. And so there's a lot of, you know, breaking people's confidence down and um, criticism and, and cynicism, as opposed to lifting people up building up their confidence, building on what they've said, um, repeating what they've said and adding the and so that you say, I, I understand what you're saying about this. And we could also do it this and do that and do this. And so you're building on an idea as opposed to tearing it down. So lifting people up. And then if you see somebody in a meeting, get shut down, um, or visibly kind of take that step back, right, or, you know, silence themselves, then after approaching them and giving them back confidence, you know, I was really excited about the path that you were on and what you were trying to say, can you tell me more? Um, Next time, what can I do to support you in that environment so that you can share more? or feel more comfortable or more confident. And so lifting people up is critical. The next thing, so that was A-L-L, then you move to I, that's about inclusion. Inclusion in this, in this sense of what I'm saying is, making sure that when you come into a room or into a team, you're looking around and saying, is everybody who needs to be here included? Mm. Have we left anyone off? Have we left anyone off of this email thread, off of this team's thread, off of this channel, off of this meeting? And do we have all voices here? And if we're all here, do we all have equal time to speak up, um, to share our perspective? And do I invite people into this conversation, right? So if I'm sitting in a room with 10 other people and there's two people I haven't heard from Do I, you know, am I being inclusive? Am I saying, "Uh, we haven't heard from you in a while, Elizabeth, is there anything else you'd like to share, right? Giving you that space to, to speak. So that's the I. Then the next letter on allies is the E, and that's about elevating somebody. So elevating their position, elevating their opportunity amplifying their voice. So seconding what somebody might say is a way of elevating them. Um, Elevating them is uh, by uh, suggesting that they participate in maybe a stretch project Mm -hmm. by, um, you know, uh, lifting them into a role, helping them kind of take a risk into a role they might not have stepped into on their own because they lacked the confidence. You know, many women, a lot of studies that show you know women won't apply for a job if they don't think they have a hundred percent of the experience for mm-hmm. it. um whereas men, if they feel like they have fifty percent of the experience, they will apply. The right thing to do is to apply when you have 50% of the experience, because if you add 100% of the experience, you're applying for a pretty boring job because you already know how to do it all, right?
0: You should be (laughs) managing
1: that job. Exactly. So, you know, so Elevate is about helping somebody to understand you have what it takes to do this. And I'm going to give you the visibility and set you up in a way that everyone sees the capabilities that you have. So it's about creating opportunity for visibility and elevating their position. And then the S is sponsorship. Um, it is about uh, speaking on someone's behalf and, and supporting them even when they're not there and,
0: mm-hmm. and when
1: they're not in the room and um, recommending them to others. So um, that's what sponsorship is. So if you remember those six behaviors, um, advocacy, listening, lifting people up, um, including them, elevating them and sponsoring them, then when you're in any kind of situation where you think somebody could use an ally, then you just think, which of those six things can I do at this moment to be the ally that they need?
0: That that makes so much sense. And I, I love the simple acronym. Like you said, it's it's much easier to remember things when, um, when you've got that acronym. And especially that first L, you know, listening to learn, lifting people up the second L, elevating and amplifying in the E. One thing that we often see happen um, in meetings where you've got uh, one in-group and and one or just a few people who have diverse perspectives is um, one of those um, people who's not in that in-group might make a suggestion and it just gets kind of Nobody amplifies it. Right. So it gets dismissed. It gets moved past. And then somebody else in the in group brings up that same idea or a very similar idea 10 minutes later and gets all kinds of credit for it. And it's that's a way that you are getting some of that benefit of the diversity, but you're actually like not anti including (laughs) whatever, you know, you're 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 shutting down that person. And so instead, you know, let's say you've got you've got that person and they bring up an idea and it doesn't seem like people are hearing them. It doesn't seem like everybody else is trying to be an ally. They're not listening to learn Um, to say, you know, as Gabriella said, I think it might be a good idea or, you know, Building on it, Gabriella's point, I think Mm -hmm. we could do this. Or if if I don't do that in the moment later on, um, you know, somebody brings it up and to say something like, That remind you know, Gabriella said something similar a few minutes ago. And I feel like taking those things together, blah, 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 whatever it might be. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, those those are some of the simple
1: ways that you can be a really great ally is, you know, because in that moment, when somebody brings something up, and nobody hears them, or nobody pays attention, and they move on, and then someone else says the same thing, like minutes later, Mm -hmm. and they don't ever get kind of credit for having brought it up in the first place. They just they walk away feeling invisible, they walk away Mm -hmm. feeling like, um, you know, dismissed and, um, and, and really it can, you know, it can ruin somebody's day and it happens enough. It ruins their confidence. And so, you know, being, when you're, when you're an ally, you just do those simple things. It is simple things like that saying, um, you know, Gabriella, I really appreciate what you just said about da, 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 Would you mind expanding on that? Could you say it? Could you say it again? Um, or, you know, to your point when someone else then says it, Um, you can, you know, bring it around without dismissing the the second person that said Uh it. You you know, you know, Joe, I'm so glad that you are building on Gabriella's idea. Um, Let's bring the two of those things together. And um, Gabriella, you know, can you build more on what Joe just said?
0: Absolutely. And it's, it's not difficult, right? We, we do some of these things probably naturally in some conversations. And for some reason, um, we don't always have our eyes open and our ears open, I suppose, more to, to listening for when that happens. Because as you said, um, if somebody feels invisible, if they feel like, you know what, I, I am contributing, but nobody recognizes that it's me, I'm not getting the credit for it. That is a very, um, bad sign for somebody's long term tenure at a company. They're going to feel like, you know, what I have good ideas and people like those ideas, but they don't seem to recognize that I'm the one that brings them. So I might as well bring my good ideas somewhere else. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, so
1: it's a it 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 really is a series of things that you can do. And if you start to bring that culture of inclusion and modeling those behaviors and in kind of coaching people to bring those behaviors into every conversation, into every room, into every team, then you start to get that whole, um, level of inclusion. People start to feel like they belong. And, um, and you have a, you create a very respectful environment where, um, where people can really engage with each other. And, um, and you, 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 do, you do end up with the best. I think when, when, one of the things that I've learned is uh, there are men who I, who I have had many men in my life who have been allies for me. Mm-hmm. They haven't necessarily done it consciously. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I've gone, you know, when I've gone back, cause I've gone back and talked to them so that I can, you know, that's how I come up with some of these things, right. From talking to them and learning about it and really kind of reflecting, um, like, well, you know, you do some of these things naturally, but what would happen if you did it much more intentionally? Mm -hmm. What would happen if you did it with with much more purpose? Because then you could actually teach other people how to do it. And you could help them learn. And then I've also talked to those individuals who have, you know, acted counter to that. Mm -hmm. um, And and asked, like, why? Why do you do that? Like, you know, and, and, you know, because you, this is the impact that has had on me or somebody else in the room. Or did you see the way somebody reacted to what happened when you did this? Like it felt like you dismissed them. And they don't intend, like 90% of the time, the person had no intention of, you know, behaving in a way that was not inclusive or doing something that was not inclusive. It was just that they weren't paying attention. They were going too fast. Um, they were not being intentional and trying to be inclusive, and so you 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 need to just remind people and teach them and coach them and help them, and by doing so, um, give people give everyone the
0: opportunity to become an ally. Definitely, I think that that sense of awareness is so key because it's so easy for all of us to just do the same things over and over again, and to speak the same way we've always spoken, and to go to the same people we've always gone to, and to function in meetings the same way we've always functioned in meetings. And so like you said, I'm sure there's there's probably not many people who have never done any of this, right? We've, pro- we've all probably done some of these behaviors occasionally, just because, but it's very different. Having that happen, then being really intentional, keeping this in mind, potentially even reviewing these best practices before you have a meeting, before you have an interaction, Um, Mm -hmm. evaluating your your leaders on your team against these criteria and saying, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you could score on each of the allies (laughs) steps, but, um, you know, even having people self evaluate, where do you think you have um, how, how do you think you are at these various skills? And there might be somebody who says, you know what, I'm a good listener, but I've never elevated people. I've never sponsored people. I, I, I try to support them well in their current roles, but I've never thought about encouraging them to aim higher. And that's a great opportunity for coaching if people even understand kind of where they might be doing okay in this and where they might be falling a little bit short. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and while I don't know if you could score people
1: on it, yeah. you certainly can um, set it out as expected behaviors and times you've observed those behaviors and times you've observed them not behaving that way. Um, and they also ask for self-assessment and ask, ask actually feedback. You know, when, you know, there's a lot of organizations that do 360 feedback as part mm-hmm. of a system, But these are very specific things that you can ask rather than, um, you know, how is this person to work with? But yeah. <laughs> you know, more specifically, have you seen them be- exhibit these behaviors and when and where um, have you seen them, um, you know, fall short of some of these behaviors where and when? And um, and that will give you a much better perspective on. Um, on how that individual is behaving and and then not to cut them down because they haven't done something, but to then coach them up um, so that they can do more of the, um, of the behaviors that are desired.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a really great point just in that um, I'm a firm believer that everybody can, can learn and can grow. I think there are some people who, who maybe do have bad motives, but I think overall, most people want to be contributors, right? They want to elevate and, and ally with others. And it's just some people maybe are are more aware of it, are paying a little bit more attention to it than others. But I don't think that there's anybody who wants to um who wants to shut people out and and really just wants them to have a terrible experience. And so it's just a matter of understanding what some of the best practices are, and enabling, just as a, as a senior leader, enabling a culture where these concepts are clear to people in terms of best practices. And you know, like you said, this is, a, this is the expectation of behavior that we're looking mm-hmm. for. These are the standards. This isn't normal. This isn't what only weird people do. This is what everybody should be doing.
1: absolutely absolutely you know and and i've had a lot the reason i uh, came up with my my the topic for my ted talk on becoming an ally is that i had so many leaders saying well how do i get started what does that even mean Mm -hmm. um and and so you know it's it's like well you to become an ally you have to step into the leadership around allyship Mm-hmm. And you have to take intentional action. So you you know go, go to the communities where um, you want to be an ally, go and you know connect into them. whether that is uh, women's groups, you can connect in. I mean every you know every women's business group welcomes, you know males as well um just because they're focused on supporting and elevating the position of women doesn't mean men can't participate in it that is allyship so go connect into those organizations like women in technology women in the cloud women of business the women's business collaborative there's so many organizations where you can connect in and same with you know um the, the um, different minority groups, uh, people of color, LGBTQ communities, there's so many groups like that to participate. So go, go connect into those groups. Get to know professionals in, um, in that organization and you know, create some relationships. Give them access to you, give them access to your network. Um, open doors, right? So that's the C of connect and becoming an ally. The O is then about bringing them into your organization. So outreach into that community to find candidates for your organization, to find um, suppliers for your network, to, fly, to create partnerships. So do the outreach. M is about making it more personal. Um, mentoring people. When you mentor them, then um, you start to really get to know them at a deeply personal level. And so that the L of listen to learn really comes into play. You can mm-hmm. really understand somebody's experience, what they, how they perceive the world, where they're coming from. And you learn a lot. As a mentor, There's so much you learn from the people that you mentor when you're listening to what they are talking about and what they're experiencing. And then the last one is about the empowerment. And the empowerment is about everything we've talked about today, about creating that inclusive environment.
0: That's so important. And um, especially, like you said, mentoring, that's where you make it personal, uh, we've been giving a lot of examples of what you can do in kind of a meeting context, in a group context, but mm-hmm. if if all you're doing is trying to implement some of these behaviors in a group context, you're really missing out on significant opportunity. It's only in a one-on-one conversation that somebody is likely going to be comfortable saying, you know, I feel, um, I feel like I'm being disempowered in this way, or I feel, you know, I'm experiencing a microaggression in this way, whatever it might be. that for most people they're not going to bring that up in a team meeting <laughs> that's going to come up in a one-on-one right. conversation and even to be able to ask the question how can i better support you what would be helpful for you mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. be prepared to to hear whatever it is that they say and really you know again listen because so often we we think we know what people need and we think we know what they might want and again you know, it's coming from a very good place, but um, to to just really ask people what support they want from you, how they feel like you could help them, you're going to get a lot better ideas than if you just kind of, you know, mindlessly move forward with your ideas.
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, and that's that's how you know a lot of uh, business propagates the cultural norms that don't create inclusion today. Is that If the leaders are part of that majority, their experience is a part of that majority, they make assumptions of what people need. Um, If you're creating a sales contest and you just make an assumption that everybody would be motivated by the things that motivate you, then you are going to create the wrong kind of sales contest. You have to go out and actually um, ask the individuals in the team what's motivating to them, and then you can create something that will um, that will give people the rewards and the um, kind of the, the impetus to achieve more because it's something that they value, as opposed to something you value
0: absolutely you know I mean you can think of just any sort of a stereotype you're gonna get a um uh, a gift certificate to the golf retreat or whatever it might be you know, I don't even know what what language one uses for golf because I don't golf and not that women don't golf right but um certainly a lot of times you look at those motivational factors and um and sometimes it's just remarkably tone deaf. But other times, it's just like you said, just kind of the same thing it's always been. And based on what I like and what I'm interested in, and you don't even think about how sometimes it's, it's not even possible for people of different backgrounds to participate in the thing that you're considering. But sometimes it's just are they going to be significantly uncomfortable there? Then mm-hmm. you're not you're not creating that space. So there's a lot of ways that that comes out. I think that's a really powerful example because that's where a lot of times people are trying their best. You know, they're they they're trying to do the right thing and do good things. And it's literally just as simple as having um having rewards, having motivational techniques, having all these other things that you haven't put people in mind. You haven't really thought about what what makes the most sense. And a lot of times it's not. The best idea to just sit and wonder but you could in fact just ask exactly i mean you know you want to do something fun so you like organize a ski trip
1: but like okay how many people in your team actually ski skiing is a very um it, it's an expensive sport so somebody would have only learned to ski if they came from a background of fairly good wealth right Mm -hmm. So it's those kinds of things where you just have to, you have to stop, pause, think, and then just look at the composition of your team and ask them, you know, what it is, what should we do as a team, um, rather than make that assumption?
0: That's a really great example, because I do think, you know, we've been talking about gender and racial and um, LGBTQ diversity, but class diversity is something that is not spoken about very frequently in the U.S. culture. And it is, I think, an underlying um, underlying area of diversity that can be incredibly uh, disempowering for people if they feel like they didn't have the same background. You know, a lot of times it gets perpetuated at so many levels. Right. So you, you come from a disadvantaged background. So then you don't go to the same school. As mm-hmm. the people who who have a background that that makes it easier for them, and then you're not forming those relationships in that network, and then you're even less comfortable, even with you know. And I, I can say this as somebody who grew up in a, a very blue collar kind of a, a small town. You're not familiar with the foods, you're not familiar with the social norms, you're not familiar with the the hobbies and the interests, and it is a very uncomfortable thing when everybody's talking about things that you're like, I have no idea what it is that they are talking about. I've never experienced that. And, you know, I, I, I come from a place of, of, you know, enough privilege. I had a, I had a, you know, perfectly fine middle-class life, but I think of somebody who who struggled a lot more and it's, it's just a completely different culture that you might be experiencing. And, and so that, that class consciousness, um, I think it's, it's somewhat, uh, we're almost kind of, like not supposed to talk about it in the US, but it it does underlie a lot of this. And obviously, there's a lot of overlap between, you know, um, especially racially, you know, people have been pushed into into different class situations, um, based on racial discrimination. And if you're not thinking about that aspect as well, it can be very uncomfortable for people. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's there's a lot of intersectionality um, mm-hmm. on a lot of these um, levels, right? Whether it's um, your your sexual orientation, whether it's your um, gender identity, whether it's your um, your socioeconomic um, upbringing, there's just you know your, your even your um, your level of capability, neurodiversity, all sorts of things. There's a lot of intersectionality. On that what you want to do is you want to get to the place where somebody feels so comfortable in a situation um, that if they don't they don't know the food they, or they don't know what someone's talking about they can say oh, I've never had that. what is it? Uh-huh. Or um, you know geez, you guys kind of lost me what what are you talking about right? And that they feel comfortable saying that and not feeling like they're going to be judged or excluded because they haven't had that same experience
0: absolutely and so i think just again these these core principles it's it's simple to talk about it's obviously a little bit more complicated in application but um you've provided a really simple framework that i think we can all as you said kind of self-evaluate against and figure out where we can become better allies for people excellent all right. Um, so I've, I've loved our conversation today. Something I always like to ask our, our guests is, do you have any resources that you would recommend for our listeners?
1: Sure. Uh, you can uh, listen to my TED Talk on how to become an ally and um, visit my website, GabriellaSchuster.com. Then um, I often also post about uh, different studies, surveys and point to other folks who are giving great advice around DEI from my LinkedIn. If you just look me up, Gabriella Schuster, there's really nobody else that <laughs> comes up. <laughs> and so um, you can easily find me. And um, and, you know, and then there's just so many great conversations. Um Podcasts that I've listened to, ones that you've done um, on um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and in how to create an empowering environment. Um, I, I, one of my heroes is Brené Brown mm-hmm. because she writes about the power of vulnerability. I think uh, for many leaders, uh, if they are not comfortable being vulnerable then doing a lot of the things that we've talked about makes it is an uncomfortable place. And so she she really provides people with a lot of coaching and
0: insight into how to do that. Absolutely. The way she always ends her podcast is um, stay awkward, brave and kind. And I think a lot of times if you're not Comfortable with this. If you haven't done any of this before, it will seem awkward. But you are being brave by doing it, and it is the kind thing to do. So um, it's it's a good reminder of that power of vulnerability. And I think something that that leaders can really acknowledge is if you are in a place of leadership and in a place of power. You have the room to be vulnerable, and it's easier for you to be vulnerable. Um, you have more space for it than the people on your team who might have been excluded. And so providing that example and being being willing to, you know be a little bit uncomfortable is going to provide significant value um, in future. so it's it's worth that maybe awkwardness and that discomfort for for a short period of time.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, as as a corporate vice president, um, you know, I found one of the best things that I could do to help my team take more risks um, and bring forth ideas that may or not be may or may not be great is um, is to share more of my mistakes uh, to you know say well here's here's what this may not be a great idea but here's something we could think about and just just model some of that behavior and that vulnerability and, and um, really enabling people to see that, um, you know, I, I'm open to that. You know? So that's, that's, that's
0: what leaders need to do. Definitely. All right. I have so enjoyed our conversation today, Gabrielle. I'm sure our listeners will have um, as well. So thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you to all of those listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything Gabriella and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com pod 320. As a reminder, we love it if you subscribe to the show. That way you get every new episode as soon as it goes live. You can subscribe for free wherever it is that you're listening right now. The best way to help more people learn about the show is if you would recommend this to a friend. So we love those testimonials, those recommendations. We love any feedback that you might have to give. You can leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or email us if you have any feedback, if you have questions, if you have guest suggestions, people we should be talking to, podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook and check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling.